0: You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Maddie Rose
1: on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number three, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan at the bottom of the hour. Former Calgary Stampeder, John Bender in studio. Hey, Stamps off to the playoffs. Yep. And we'll talk about week seven of the National Football League. We'll wrap up the show with our locks. Ploughs. You Not know I mean? No. Uh, courtesy of our friends at uh, Calgary Lock and Safe. But right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, ESPN senior writer Greg Wyszynski. Wish, good morning. How are you? What
2: up? What up? How are you? Uh, Very we, uh, excited for all of the hockey tonight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I'm a big fan of this. <laughs> I, I'm actually impressed that the NHL is doing something like this because Wish, I think it's a, it's a great idea by uh, your network.
2: Yeah, I, I was gonna say. I mean, you know, sometimes someone's gotta drag the NHL kicking and screaming into something cool, which might have been the case this time. But uh you know, I've been talking to my friends inside of ESPN about this for a long time. Like the idea to give everybody a chance to have that shared experience. You know, like it's it's it, 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 it takes usually like the Game of Thrones finale for people to have like the shared experience of all sitting in front of the television and watching <laughs> the same stuff. And And I think we've, we've, we've tried to accomplish that by having these games tonight, but also like, again, like you can't deny that, uh, you know, sports wagering is in a different place than it was a few years back. Mm -hmm. And and the idea that you could sit in front of your TV and watch all these games and maybe throw a little money here or there is is definitely probably, you know, part of the equation for, for everybody involved. Um, and, and that's, you know, when you think about the television events in the U S you automatically think about something like March madness, for example, and, I've said for years, like my dream is for the first day of the NHL playoffs to start at noon, and then like everybody takes off of work and goes to the bar and just watches hockey all day. And this might be like the closest we come to it, <laughs> mm-hmm. with games starting at like uh, you know six o'clock at night. But uh, you know, it's 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 a it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be really
1: cool. Um, we, we've been asking this question and we haven't had a straight answer yet. Maybe you know. Will the game start, like the Flames and Rangers, 745 local. Will the puck drop at 745 local? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Now we know.
2: Well, it, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be like, it's all staggered starts, right? So it's like the times that are listed is the time... When the game's gonna start? So, I, I guess you're asking—is it like pre-game show or whatever? I mean, as far as I know, it's yeah.
3: like he wants it to start drops. at 7:45 exactly. If like, it starts at 7:50, he's gonna be mad. If it starts at 7:52, he's <laughs> yeah. going to be mad. He wants it on the dot, 7:45. Right? It's kind of ridiculous. Well, listen,
2: listen—we can't we can't control the length <laughs> of the anthem. Yeah, we can't yeah. control, you know, like if these guys stay in the locker room and want to talk about life for a little bit. <laughs> You know, these things happen at games, but right. you know, for from for all intents and purposes it's gonna be a new game starting like every fifteen minutes and and it's going to be uh,
0: it's going to be pretty dope.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Um am I'm just Freeman. imagining
3: sitting in the rink and being like, "Sorry guys, we have a delay. Uh, the team yep. is just having a quick chat about one of the new kids. at <laughs> a birthday party on the weekend, but they'll be yeah. out in about five minutes for puck drop. Yeah, it'll be okay. fine.
1: Sit look,
2: tight. Look, if you would, you, would anybody on this call be at, at all surprised if the Edmonton Oilers like needed a minute before coming out <laughs> for their
1: next <laughs> <laughs> game? <laughs> You know what? I, I I I wasn't gonna go there, but I'll go there right now. Yeah, quick prayer um, circle needed to be added. Like in there. worst yeah, start. Like, mm. like is, do they have the worst start in the league right now? Is it the Sabers? Like, who has that? Who's bestowed with that? Uh, you know, that mantle of like, oh yeah, you you have the worst start so far. Very very early into this NHL season, the Oilers or the Sabers?
2: It's the Oilers because the Sabers are in that category of like we hope they're good. You
1: oh, okay. know, it's
2: like it's like it's like we hope, we hope the sabers are good we hope of the the three teams bubbling under the surface in the atlantic division that, that maybe they they come um you know emerge from it and and then buffalo becomes like a super scorching hot hockey market and so it's there there starts like frustrating but not necessarily unforeseen i guess the unforeseen part might be tage thompson not necessarily hitting the board you know outside of like a goal i think so far which was a a bit of a surprise but the Oilers' start is like a team we all expected to be good in some cases expected to win the cup um looking extraordinarily jekyll and hyde uh you know they had one really good game against nashville and then a not so good game against the flyers and then you know you you combine that with the connor injury with the leaky goaltending with uh Evander Kane talking about ice time in a between periods interview with Scott Oak. Like it's just it's like the worst stumble out of the gate you could possibly imagine for a team. And and you know, maybe Connor being out gives them a little bit of focus on, you know, he's not gonna be there to save us and, and maybe everybody kinda like picks up their game a little bit. That that always seems to happen in this league when, when a good player goes out. Uh but but if not, I mean like it could be a real a real dark period for our friends uh, in, in Edmonton. Um, and you start to wonder whether, you know, Jay Woodcroft might actually have to pay with his job at some point if they can't turn this thing around quickly.
3: Oh my goodness. Now I, I think that the other thing here too, is like, he's not expected to be out long. Like they're going to have to manage like three or four games without him. Right. Like that's kind of what we're looking at here.
2: Yeah. And and I think, I, I mean, I, I remember looking at the schedule when the, the news came out. I mean, I think the heritage classics kind of, plays in their favor because don't don't the teams have a few days off kind of around that game that's usually how they work
0: the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, before and after they might actually yeah. have a little
2: bit of that. yeah they might actually have a little bit of extra padding so when he went out and I looked at the schedule I said to myself okay so maybe they're just being super precautious here with them they know they've got some extra time off they know that the games aren't like stacked up on top of each other you can give Connor some time to to heal up but you're right I mean it's 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 not it's not like he's missing two months I mean it's not like the lightning and Vasilevsky but uh but again, with with the way that this team has gone to not have him there, uh it just it just makes makes the climb all the steeper.
3: Wish one of the last times you joined us you talked about the coyotes and the Canucks, three and two to start both the seasons. Have you seen what you expected with a couple of clubs that you thought were gonna have good seasons? Yeah, no,
2: the the coyotes have been pesky and they have shown already that there's still mullet magic going on. I was it's funny, I was mm. right I wrote a thing this morning about Uh, like one reason to watch every team in the league kind of in preparation for tonight's thing, but also just to reset things a little bit for people, a couple like a month into the season. I'm still astounded by the the disparity in stats for the the Coyotes last year at Mullet. Like they were, I think the worst team in the league on the road and then like over 500 at home, like their, their offense increased Mm -hmm. by like seven or eight spots uh, home and road too. So we've got something going on there, um, which I think will keep them competitive. And, and the Canucks, yeah. I mean, like I, this is kind of what I I figured they'd be. Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes playing dominant hockey. Um, their their star players all playing pretty well right now. Uh, and 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 you know, Rick Tockett staying on him. I mean, that's one of the things that I was really optimistic about with regard to them this season. Is 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 Tockett being there for a full a full training camp, kind of trying to put a stamp on his team, like calling them soft three games into the season. Like it's, it's, it's good to have them there and he's going to keep them on their toes. Uh, and so far they've been competitive.
1: ESPN senior writer, Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest online, big show, Russick and Rose 960 to fan um, Elliot Friedman talked about it on Saturday during the intermission uh, wish that uh, Noah Hannafin and the flames apparently close to an extension. How surprised were you to hear for a guy that, Oh no, there's no chance he's staying. He's American. He wants to play in the United States. Then all of a sudden we're close to an extension here. Where do you think things changed in all of this?
2: I don't know, but I mean, again, like, you know, this mass exodus that we were expecting from Calgary, this mass exodus that we were expecting from, from Winnipeg, like neither of them really came to fruition outside of the Dubois thing really. And then, I mean, that's fully trade too. So, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we can chalk up some of this to, to, you know, media manifestation and wishful thinking <laughs> as far as some of these guys leaving town. Um, but yeah, the Hamilton one was the most surprising for me out of all of them, because like we talked about, I think previously at, at the draft, it was just kind of like assumed it was assumed that this guy was going to get traded. Um, you know, people were talking about his tenure in, in Calgary in the past tense, it was so assumed. Uh, so to have him, you know, still there and then and then probably sticking around there is is really astounding.
1: How much more upside do you think Noah Hannafin has?
2: I think he's got a bit. I mean, he's he's a really good player. Uh, I mean, he's clearly, you know, had had some some improvement, you know, year over year, which is what you want to see. I don't I don't quite know what his ceiling is, but but it's I don't I don't if the question is do I think he's sort of like tap, tapped out. I don't think he's tapped out.
3: We got four teams that have not lost in regulation around the NHL. Uh, no surprises with teams like the Avalanche, the Stars, the Vegas Golden Knights. They're all in the West, which is maybe a surprise. But out East, it's the Boston Bruins. And I'm like, were we doing this again? They were supposed to be not good. And now they're undefeated 5-0 and to start the year. What's going on with the Bruins?
2: Well, I mean you know i I don't think we have to worry about them going like twenty three one and three like they did last year, or yeah. whatever it was like but but listen i I tried to tell people that reports of their demise were greatly exaggerated uh, they they're you know offensively, I was concerned because I mean you you got your top two centers from a lineup. I'm not exactly sure what that goal scoring looks like. they've gotten enough of it so far, but the the foundation of this team. Is built on Jim Montgomery's coaching and this guy doesn't miss uh, the best goalie tandem in the league. And then, you know, Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm who play 50 minutes a night between them. <laughs> so, I mean, like, if, if that's your starting point for can we build a contending team, you're doing pretty good for yourself. They've had some, you know, manageable matchups, let's call them, early in the season, uh, which I think has contributed to their, to their hot start. Um, but again, like I, I had the Bruins in the playoffs. I thought that if you were looking for a team to fall out of that top three in the Atlantic, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be them.
3: They're in a playoff spot in the Atlantic with Detroit, Montreal, and Ottawa. Is this division going to be the wildest to watch as the season plays out? Because (laughs) I feel like all four of those teams could fall out of it. They could hold on. Like this was the one that I keep looking at and saying, there's a divisional game you probably don't want to miss it between these two any two teams competing.
2: Yeah, they're all going to be fun. I mean, I'm side eyeing Florida a little bit as being okay. Mm. Well, maybe they're the ones that maybe could fall out, but but they've sort of maintained a little bit. Uh, Tampa obviously is is working through a number of different things: the Vasilevsky injury, the Stamco stuff, the the lineup that's been depleted of a lot of the supporting cast they've had over the years. Like they're they're just dealing with a lot of stuff. I, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, but. They're doing the thing that I, I was worried about in making that pick, which is their stars are kind of carrying the play right now. I mean, Kucherov's been great, and Hedman's been really good, too. Um, the, the Red Wings, are, we talked about this on the Drop, our podcast. The new episode came out today. You can find it like where you get podcasts. We talked about the Red Wings a little bit and the idea of is there a chance that this could be this year's Kraken or Devils? And by that, I mean, if you're a really, really good offensive team, uh, and the Kraken were fourth in goals. And I think the Devils were fifth last year. Um, you can paper over a lot of problems and, and, you know, their coach, Derek Milan, the other day said, like, we still have a lot of issues. We're just scoring our way out of it right now. And so there is probably a, a, a version of this in the multiverse where the Red Wings finish in the top five offensively, because they, they are quite loaded. And I mean, that the Larkin duo is going to be one of the best in the league this year. Uh, and they just keep going and, and maybe, this is the year where they sort of level up, and 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 they're the ones who who grab that playoff spot. We're all wondering if Buffalo or Ottawa can grab.
3: Could the Capitals be the worst team in the East?
2: I hope so. They should be. They should suck. Like they they <laughs> should be good. <laughs> I mean, I know I know they're try, I know they're trying to like cater to Ovi's whims. I know he. You know, I, I spoke to him and I spoke to Ted Leontis about him signing a new contract there, and and you know one of the reasons was to stay competitive, but you know at some point they've got to think about life after Ovi and, and, you know, to, to go and, and get yourself a, you know, a top two pick this year would be great because like, you've got to start thinking about what the next thing is. This is going to be an empty vessel of a franchise until Ovechkin breaks the record, assuming he can, I mean, he's, you know, not off to the greatest start. Uh, but at some point you've got to kind of transition to the next thing. I didn't, it, it, here's the thing about the capitals I don't get they had a ton of cap space that they could have had open last season. They had so many unrestricted free agents. And I've said to myself, okay, you could really get aggressive here and build a team around Ovechkin and ma- maybe not contend for a cup, but certainly contend for a playoff spot. And then they ended up like re-signing like three quarters of their guys. And I'm just like, well, this team wasn't good to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I know, I feel like maybe they opted for the comfort of their stars, versus making the kinds of changes you make to aggressively contend and um and like I said I mean like I being as bad as they could possibly be this year can only be a good thing going forward um maybe not for Ovechkin wanting to contend while he tries to break this record but certainly for whatever this
1: team's going to look like after he's gone more impressive start the avs or the golden knights
2: uh the knights i mean like <laughs> they've come out the gate with, I think it's like a plus 14 goal differential. Um, they've just looked great. They they look like they haven't skipped a beat. They look like they're, they're playing, you know, like game six of the final. <laughs> like, like they're just like dominating teams and, and they're getting performances throughout the lineup. And, you know, guys like Chandler Stevenson are leveling up. Like they're, they're, they just looked as good as they did last year. And, and you know, I had this moment before the season when all of our predictions were in. And, of course, I made the foolhardy choice of saying it was going to be Edmonton and the Leafs, like a lot of people did. I had this moment of, like, looking at the standings and thinking to myself, why the hell did I pick Vegas? Like, like was I that scared of, of Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson? I mean, they just won a cup with Aiden Hill. Um, they're really, really good. And, and, uh, and I think that a lot of us are going to look dumb. For just sort of like following that NHL logic of well, you've won the cup. Why would you win another one? Uh, because there's a good chance they can win another one. I think with that team.
1: I uh, wish just so you know, out of all the 19 Sportsnet insiders, nobody picked Vegas either.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like we all—that's because we're all dumb. Like we're all dumb <laughs> dums who follow <laughs> hockey logic of like, well, one team wins cup, should be satisfied, maybe hungover, can't win again. Right. Not, not remembering that like we literally had two teams win back-to-back cups like within the last decade and yeah. we're all just like, well, it like, certainly can't be Vegas. It's clearly the team that can't play defense's time in the West. I mean, we're so stupid.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, talk, we talked about one of your uh cup uh picks, the Oilers. What about the other in the Maple Leafs? I just think, do, do we just chalk it up to regular season fatigue? That's a team in Toronto that usually comes out of the gate really fast in October and then kind of fades as the season goes along and then, who who knows what happens in the playoffs, but is this just those guys are just, let's just get to the playoffs here. doesn't matter. Let's just get good enough to get into the playoffs and let's see, because usually they get off to a hot start and they just don't look like that team right now wishes. Should should fans be worried about those Leafs in Toronto?
2: There's a little bit of that for a lot of the teams that had success last year. I mean, I think you, you could say the Oilers are, already looking to play game one of the playoffs, not realizing you actually have to get there. I think the Devils have had a little bit of that too, mm-hmm. of just assuming that last year's success is going to port over to this season and they're a little bit out of sync. And, and I'm sure that there is that sort of antsiness and uh, and, and impatience from the Leafs to just kind of like get through it. I mean, you look at that division, they're clearly better than than every other team in that division, I think at this point on paper, at least. Uh, so maybe it is a situation of looking ahead and not wanting to have it to go through the, the grind of a regular season. But you know, one of the genius things that John Cooper did as head coach of the lightning was kind of like lay down the gauntlet to his team. And it was easier when they lost to Columbus in the first round a few years ago. But basically he said, look, the regular season, you know, we know why it exists. (laughs) It exists because we have to go through these games and qualify for the playoffs. And then things get really interesting. But here are the things that we need to do to make sure that we can win in the playoffs. And you know, he had their attention. Um, they went through some growing pains. They didn't necessarily follow up that amazing season with another amazing season. But they certainly got better and more and nuanced and did things that eventually led to them winning back-to-back Cups. And I, and I do wonder if, like, it would behoove Sheldon Keefe to sort of, you know, use, use these these months as teachable moments versus putting the pedal down and having them try to qualify for the playoffs and, and win the division. Because they, they will, I think. Um, but you have to kind of like keep their attention and get their attention. And I, and you're right. I mean, it may be a situation in the first month of the season where that becomes a little, a little bit difficult.
3: What have you made of uh, the Ryan Reeves discussion around the Toronto Maple Leafs? I mean,
2: it's, it's why you bring in Ryan Reeves, which is to cause a little chaos on the ice and change the conversation off the ice. Like I was talking to somebody the other day about, about Reeves. um, And in particular about like toughness on the Leafs it was a lot of discussion about Max Domi and, and why he brings the type of toughness you ultimately need on that team with regard to like kind of the thing we were just talking about. I was talking to some an executive that was just like when it's February, when you don't care, like Max Domi's going to have a shift in that game to make you care. And, and that's the kind of toughness they need. Ryan Reeves is there to, you know, add a little bit of intimidation, I guess, uh, and protect your, your skill players, if that's still a thing but he's also there to just kind of change the conversation. Like there will be a moment in the playoffs when things are dire for Toronto and everyone in the, in the Toronto media is writing stories about Sam old Leafs, where he's going to do or say something during a game. And then it's going to be like mobs to a flame. Like he'll become the story. It's kind of like a Chris Pronger esque skill he has of knowing that he can do something or say something about an opponent and change the conversation about his team. And, and that's, it's, it's really one of his better skills in this league. And I guarantee you we're going to see a moment like that when, when things are looking weird for the Leafs in the playoffs.
3: You, you said something there that I think is fascinating because I, I don't necessarily think that guys like that are needed on teams anymore. But he brings that extra little bit like what we saw with Corey Perry over the last week. Why were we still talking about that three days after they didn't even scrap? What was that all about? That's exactly what you're talking about here.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I saw it when he was in Vegas. It happened a lot, all that stuff with, like, Evander Kane when Kane was on the Sharks. Like, that extracurricular stuff would become the story when those two teams would play and it would carry over to the post. Like, it's just a a thing that he brings to the team, a little bit of of that distraction. But he's also just, like, a big personality in a a place where you could use a little bit more of it. I mean, look (laughs) – uh, you know, not not to not to pretend that I'm a fly on the wall in the Leafs locker room, but you look at the guys that are in leadership positions on the team. I mean, how many of them have a Ryan Reeves esque personality? <laughs> like John Tavares doesn't. I can tell you that. <laughs> like he is he is boring. Uh, and so to have some people that can maybe bring a little levity behind the scenes, change the conversation, fire the team up, you know, be that guy, uh, I think is really important. I mean, it, listen, let's be honest. He may not even play in the playoffs. Uh, based on how people set their lineups, but mm. but if he does, it wouldn't surprise me to see him be uh, somewhat valuable in a uh, in a you know ancillary capacity versus anything he's doing on the ice.
1: Um, wish before I let you go, you kind of mentioned gambling off the top. Want to ask you a gambling question before we go? Ton yeah. of value on Jack Hughes doing the Hart Trophy right now.
2: Oh sure, I mean I, I think he's a great choice. I mean he's he's they're going to have a story to tell which is him becoming the first devil to ever score a hundred points in the season. I'd be shocked if it doesn't happen based on, on the start he's had. Um, there's a good chance that he's going to have another thing that, that the Hart trophy voters like to look for, which is a sizable gap uh, in production between him and the next guy on the team. Um, and, and the devils, you know, they're still kind of trying to find their way, but there's, there's a lane in which they could probably win that division. Um, and, and look, I mean, people love Jack Hughes, (laughs) like, 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 let's not divorce that from, from the proceedings. Like the voters have to like the guy. And, uh, and I think we probably are dealing with a little bit of McDavid fatigue. Mm. So it's, it's right for somebody to rise up and win it. I I think he's, he's a marvelous pick. I'm kind of kicking myself. Ardo Cal, my podcast, co host picked him to win the heart. I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing it probably because I didn't want to look like a Homer.
1: Okay. Uh, I love it. And it helps he plays in the East. Too. That helps a lot uh, for Jackie. Yeah, case. people watch
2: him. Yeah, people, yep. yeah oh. inherently the most important thing is yep. that he he plays in New York and in in, re, in a decent proximity of, of Toronto. So there you go.
3: Uh that that role, nine o'clock Eastern time. Not uh, wetting your whistle tonight. That's no good.
2: Well, hmm. <laughs> oh, tonight's, tonight's the outlier. Everything yeah. looks good tonight. Yeah. I'm going to be up, dude. I'm I'm staying up for that. Midnight Golden Knights game, like yeah. it's going to be super fun. It is yeah, going to be gonna super be fun. I mean, listen, listen, listen. It's going to be super fun if we can all just get together and, and help out my employer. Uh, pray for rain tonight in Philadelphia. That would really help if uh, that baseball game doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, there's also NBA uh, tips off tonight too. But whatever, uh, Frozen Frenzy tonight on ESPN. Uh, Greg Wachinski, ESPN senior writer. Wish always great stuff. Thanks for this, pal. Anytime. Thanks for having me. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar our guest hotline. I can confirm our next guest uh-huh. is in studio.
4: I see. He's Former right Calgary
1: Stampeder, John Bender next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. will wrap up uh, today's edition with our locks of the evening. We got a game seven in baseball. We got a couple basketball games, yeah, and uh, every NHL team in action. All thirty-two yes. take staggered starts. Let's go! Let's go! Um Hashtag, join us in, let's go! Hashtag <laughs> LFG. Yeah. Um, join Person. us in studio, though. Let's
3: freaking go!
1: Uh, the inaugural champion of our uh, big show yeah. fantasy football. Round League. of applause, GVP. My goodness. Former Calgary Stampeder. John Benner joining us in studio. Congratulations, sir, on the win. Thank you. Yeah, you're on. You are good. You're good. Just the lights not light working. Doesn't Don't worry about it. No yeah, you're no, on. Don't fine. worry about you it. eric great job. There, are there are enough confused. times to know
4: that that's not right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on your title. You vanquished uh, Matt in mm-hmm. the uh, in the final. If Matty would have what it what you you did what mistake that cost you the championship?
3: I uh, I played a kicker that had. a uh, Missed, like, several weeks with a Mister uh, shoulder injury, so... A kicker with a shoulder injury? <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, Renee played. He can't kick? <laughs> Apparently, he had okay. been kicking for multiple weeks, but because I had multiple weeks with a bye, yep. I wasn't looking at my kicker, and then he wasn't on the injury report because he had been put on the sixth game, so I wasn't paying attention during the week because he wasn't on the injury report because he was obviously not going to play... And yeah, okay, it's it's an excuse. So that whole
4: rest versus rust argument went very poorly for me year. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I Too much rest. Yes.
1: Congratulations on uh, Mr. John Bender winning our inaugural uh, CFL fantasy football. I like my um, runner-up prize, though. Yeah, he, he did. He brought you a shirt from Nevada, your alma mater. Yeah, very nice. I'm um, big uh, Wolfpack guy now. Yeah, huge. As should be. Like if there's yeah. one guy who's a big college football fan, oh, it's yeah, Matty it's Rose. It totally is Matty Rose. We're like, I don't a, know, like having a big year. Like
3: college football, we're, we're, the we're NBA. I don't
1: know which one you love more. Like I
3: Well, it's it's one, two. It's, it's Wolfpack like, like and then it's to the pick, flames and then it's yeah. like trying to pick your firstborn. Yeah. Like you it, don't know like well, first and second born. I, I love th- them so much. Well, I think you would probably pick. I think we all know that every adult has an actual choice. They just wouldn't say it in Public, right? John,
1: you know, I love hot CFL talk on the show. Of course. Everyone Um, does. uh, Super hot. Mm. Um, How, uh, we have Dave Dickinson on tomorrow. Um, How surprised? How, okay, not surprised is the word.
4: Do the Stamps deserve to be in the playoffs right now? Um, I mean, the way that it breaks <laughs> down, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, so- that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> <Yeah>. do, the, <laughs> the- do the
1: Stampeders deserve to be in the Canadian Football League playoffs right now?
4: The, I'm sure you can make arguments for both sides, George. All right, okay. I'm, I'm positive about that. What's but the better I, option? <laughs> I've been, I've been, you know, a Stampeders fan for long enough that I've seen them win 13, 14, 15 games, get to the Great Cup and lose to a team that was 500-ish. And I'm just hoping that we can finally be on the other side of that. Okay. And finally, you know, have an opportunity to go you know, play Toronto, who might be a 15-16 win team in the Great Cup. Who they've beaten. Yeah, who they've beaten. Could Um, could be a great opportunity for them to get some vengeance for 2012 and 2017, where the Argos were a 500 team in the Great Cup, and the Stampeders was a 12-win team and a 14-win team, I believe.
1: Uh, As you know, uh, sitting to your left and right, uh, Matt Rose and Patrick Dumont, they covered the Stampeders. I'm going to ask you guys the same question, Matty, you first. Mm. Do they deserve to be in the playoffs
3: right now? More so than the Rough Riders, that's for sure.
0: Yep. That's kind of what my answer would be. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's like Saskatchewan, yeah, probably, mate, who knows what happens if Trevor Harris is healthy this year. Uh, He gets hurt in that game in in Regina against the Stampeders. Uh, You know, who knows if Edmonton's, you know, if Chris Jones isn't stubborn with Taylor Cornelius and they start Trey Ford from the beginning, who knows what happens there. Mm-hmm. The stamps, Dave talked about it all year. Like, the effort's been there. The work ethic's been there. It's just they haven't been executing it on the field as much. And it's the last six quarters, it's really come together for them on both sides of the ball. Really, that run game on, on Friday there against BC, that's something we talked about. Nauseam is like, they start well running the ball, then they kind of get away from it, or it just isn't clicking. And then... It finally clicks there against against BC on Friday. Like It helps with the offensive line getting a little bit more healthy and a little bit more continuity there because it's been a rotating door there at the tackles for pretty much most of the year. So they finally got a little bit more health on that offensive line. The defensive switch was big. Maddie deserves one of those words, right? Like yeah. what does anybody deserve? What is fair, right? That's kind of where I come down well, on it. That's why Saskatchewan asked didn't it. Win I a think ga- that- won one game the last two months. Yeah. Of the year. Exactly. One. And and
3: that's why I would say <laughs> what the Stampeders have done in the last couple weeks of the season compared to what the Rough Riders have done over the last couple months of the season, by that metric, they deserve to be in the playoffs. But I think that you could always change the stipulations and you can move the goalposts on what everybody deserves and what is mm. fair per se.
4: Yeah, the, there was a few teams over the last few weeks that had an opportunity to really, you know, make their mark and get in the playoffs. The Stampeders went out to BC and punched them right in the mouth, mm-hmm. and they went forty, yeah. beat them forty-one to sixteen, physicaled them, did mm-hmm. everything they could. And we saw what the Riders did when they played the Argos. They kind of gave up the lead late, which seems to be what they've done a lot over the last few months. And They also so, couldn't beat the Stamps. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when we're looking at teams that deserve to be in, yeah. That third spot in the West this year wasn't the most competitive spot, but the Stampeders got it, and uh, now they got to seat to the table. They
3: definitely don't deserve a, a buy in the first round. That's for sure. But okay. they're also not going to get it. Well, that's good. I think they're they kind right where yeah. they could be. Yeah. So uh,
1: the Stamps uh, close out their season Friday at home against? Winnipeg. Okay, Winnipeg. Um, where are you? Don't look at me like that. I didn't know. That's a good bit and very, very clever. Uh, No, I didn't. Like, I legitimately didn't know it was Winnipeg. No, I didn't. (laughs)
4: Good job. No, I'm not being a jerk. Um, You actually texted me earlier today asking for tickets to the Blue Bombers game. (laughs) Stop lying. Hey, why don't you
1: post the text? (laughs) I'll call your bluff, Bender. Show your receipts. (laughs) Yeah, show your receipts. Um, Wanted to get your opinion on this, John. You played at a very high level. Uh, You played in the Canadian football league. How should the Stampeders approach a game that now is meaningless because you're heading into a game against BC in the playoffs, but at the same time, the team's starting to play good football and you want to keep that momentum going. How do you, how do you manage that? If you're Dave Dickinson
4: heading into Friday night's game. Uh, So if I was Dave Dickinson, I would start, you know, everyone who is available. I mean, sure. You got a few guys, maybe like Reggie Bagleton, maybe a few really veteran guys are dealing with some bumps and bruises, but I would start everybody available Try to play them for at least the first quarter, make sure everyone's fresh. From there, if you want to go to, you know, some, some other guys later in the game, that's fine. I don't think we'll see any of their trick plays. I don't think we'll see mm. them uh, unleashing anything out of the vault here in the last game of the year. They're going to have some pretty vanilla looks both on offense and defense. And the main purpose of the game would be to, you know, play at a high level, try to make sure that you guys are, you know, firing on all cylinders and make sure everyone's available and that, that there's nobody hurt for the playoff game.
3: We saw the Stampeders run a 3-4 defense against the Lions in that game in the first half, and it was one of the main reasons they dominated defensively, something I haven't seen them do really since they played against Nathan Rourke in BC last year. What did you make the Stampeders going with the 3-4 style? What did it allow them to do, and why do CFL teams not do that more often? It's almost always a pretty standard 4-D lineman, two linebackers, six defensive backs so why did that work for the Stampeders why don't we see them more often
4: uh it worked for the Stampeders this game because it was just a different look it made it tough um they probably expected BC to try to get up and line up the football and you know try to run the ball more try to do some different things and they were able to dial up some blitz packages I think that they created a lot of pressure I think they created a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers from running the 3-4 um the 3-4 you don't see a lot in the CFL because there's not that giant nose tackle that you typically need for the 3-4 that they have in the NFL the NFL nose tackles are often, you know, my size-ish. They're, you know, often like 6'5", 6'6", 350, big, big dudes. And in the CFL, a lot of the D tackles are under 300 pounds. So the problem with having a nose tackle is sometimes they can get bullied at the line of scrimmage. But the Stampeders were able to run their 3-4. They were able to dial up blitz packages. They were able to get pressure. And, I mean, if you have the personnel for it, it is something that, that you might be able to do. But the Stampeders, um, you know, haven't showed it a lot on film. They go out there, they surprise BC, obviously uh, dialed up some blitz packages and dialed up some things that created problems for them.
3: The two linebackers that were alongside Cam Judge and Micah Alway were Silas Stewart, who's essentially had a toe injury that's kept him out the entire year, turf toe, and then Darius Taylor, who was signed, I want to say, six, seven weeks ago, has like 80-plus games of NFL experience and was that fourth linebacker. Do you think that the Stampeders would have been doing this earlier on in the season, If they had had Silas Stewart and Adarius Taylor available, or do you think this was just one of those things they wanted to try against BC in part in just kind of in a situational type of instance?
4: Uh, I think it was a situational. I don't know if it's only going to be versus BC. Mm. I think that, I mean, obviously we'll see it probably against BC in the playoffs, but I do think it's kind of in their uh, packages now. I don't think it's going to be their base defense moving forward. I do think that that 4-2 defense with the uh, what we call as the offensive line, the joker who might be a linebacker, might be a cornerback, that can roam in and out of there. There's was, there was a guy like Keon Raymond in Calgary for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, guys like that uh, you know, creates problems for defenses or creates problems for offenses when they're able to do the different things they can because sometimes they'll come in the box, sometimes they'll stay out and uh, play out the, play out with the wide receivers, and they can really cause some havoc.
3: How worried would you be if you were playing on that line and Vernon was showing the lack of mobility that he showed? If you were in BC playing on that line and you know what Vernon is usually able to do and he's not looking mobile at all, what are you thinking as an offensive lineman for the BC Lions?
4: I'd be worried. I mean, uh, you, you know, there's a game that that you would need to be perfect and need to you know do everything you can to make sure he stays upright. The problem, if you want to call it that, with guys like Vernon Adams is they roll out of the pocket a lot to because they need to see downfield. If they got a big uh, guy in the middle, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, it's hard to see over them. So if they get pushed up in the pocket, you know, they're kind of just lost at everyone's, you know, in the in, in the scrum there. But if they can get, you know, be dynamic, run play action, get out and, get out and uh, you know, throw the football, then they are able to do a lot of things. If you're not mobile, if you're not able to do, if he's lost a step, then it's going to create a, create a lot of different game. Do
0: you ever have a linebacker uh, headbutt you? <laughs>
4: Fifteen he times. He was a every defensive game. end. And how did you <laughs> <laughs> times every and did game. you? Uh, how
0: do no, I'm, I'm sorry, with the with the Demery thing after yeah. the whistle? Did you uh, did you ever have anything like that happen? And how did you react? Did, Demery did a really good job keeping his composure there.
4: Yeah, uh, I like to trash talk a little bit to those guys because I mean, when you're talking to a linebacker, I'm often you know seventy pounds heavier oh, yeah. than those guys. Mm. I tell them that I eat burritos bigger than them <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, you know, next play when you would so it was always easy for me. I always thought that I could outsmart those guys because they play defense; they're not that smart. Mm. Nice. But, uh, yeah, think on offense. <laughs> yeah, Get them. <laughs> when the linebackers are coming up and they would always try to stun the offensive line yeah. when they're pulling, I was often a pulling guard when I was in college. And as soon as I saw the crown of their helmet, well, they saw the crown of my helmet on their knee mm-hmm. because I knew that they couldn't <laughs> see me coming because they had their head down. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of me teaching them a lesson, and i do it early in the game. Yep. And then the rest of the game, when you're pulling out there, they're, you know, they're tiptoeing, they're they don't away know what to you, do. Like. You go hit them in the mouth. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and it's this mental warfare game where they don't know what's happening. So it's great.
1: Uh, that's John Bender, former Calgary Stampeder, joining us here in studio. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, what grade would you give Jake Mayer's season?
4: You know, it'd be tough to give it much more than a C plus. Uh, like has... my high school transcript. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zing! <Hey. laughs> nice. Degree? Uh, go, no, no. go. right there. No,
3: like I'm serious. You are
1: now, No, like I'm. I'm serious. No. This is what C's
0: will get you, kid. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah.
4: So uh, <laughs> you don't have to try hard in high school. You can host yeah.
1: a mediocre radio show. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no.
4: Anyways, yeah, no, I think that a C plus would probably be about right. He does have a lot of yardage. There is too much turnovers. There's not enough touchdowns. Uh, but he was able to move the ball at times against certain teams. Um, wasn't always able to get downfield the way I think the way that we wanted him to. And I think with the Stampeders just being down in a lot of games, they weren't able to run the offense the way they wanted to. I think this is a team that's wanted to be run heavy and wanted to run the football more. Hmm. But when you're down, you know, 14 points, oftentimes from a Jake Meyer pick six in the red zone or something like that, or you're not able to, you know, convert touchdowns in the red zone, it makes it tough for them to, uh, you know, run the offense that they want. I always tell people that you know, football is easy as long as you're staying ahead of the chains and as long as you're winning the football game. If you're not doing either of those things, it gets really difficult.
1: It's true. Um, that's uh, very good. Um, wanted to ask you about the uh, NFL, too.
4: That's clever. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Wanted <laughs> to ask
1: you about the National Football League. Uh, Monday Nighter last night, Vikings with a big win over the 49ers. I've used the term system quarterback for Brock Purdy, and he looked really good. There was a lot of MVP buzz around Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, during this season. But the last two weeks hasn't looked that good. Is he a system quarterback?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that he would be considered a system quarterback. I think that uh, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have come through San Fran that have maybe done a little bit better than they thought they would over the last few years, but obviously they can stick. But Brock Purdy has been a good mainstay for them. Uh, They don't ask him to do too much. I like that philosophy a lot in football. I mean, I think they kind of took what everybody else does in the NFL and did it backwards.
1: Yeah, but sometimes you need your quarterback to win you a game.
4: Sure, but sometimes you need that D-line to win you a game, and they got three or four first-round picks rushing the quarterback, and that certainly helps also. And they got a lot of money to spend on the left tackle, a lot of money to spend on wide receivers. So there's tons of talent around him. What they need him to do is not make mistakes. Hmm. What they need him to do is at certain times in the game, make a big pass when you need to. But more than anything, don't turn the ball over and let us win the game through our run game and through our defense, which we all know works great in the playoffs and works great in bad weather.
3: Which team have you like watching the most in the NFL this year?
4: That's a great question. Uh I do like watching the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that they're uh they're they're a great team. They they can do a lot of things on offense. Um, I'm always interested in what the uh, LA Rams can do. I like that Sean McVay offense, mm. what they're able to do with, mm. uh wide receiver they got in the fifth round, it who looks like, go gonna, sure? yeah. Yeah. It looks like he's gonna be an all pro first team and looking like uh, you know, he's got the same records as Justin Jefferson and some other guys here. So what the things that they can do on offense are always uh, you know, things things are gonna light up the scoreboard and it's very interesting.
1: Uh take me through uh what it must be like doing the brotherly shove that the Eagles yeah. do.
4: So we used to do that a ton in the CFL and when I played in college mm-hmm. and I was the biggest offensive lineman. So I knew it was going behind me. The quarterback would leak over to me and be like, I'm running behind you. We got to go. And you just got to you know, get in your four point stance, lean heavy. You know, the snap count, you get first step and it's on and you got, you got to get some movement. And, uh, if you don't get any movement, it's not going to go anywhere. So, uh, yeah, with the brotherly shove, I think that they do a great job there with Jason Kelsey, uh, He's able to really get a lot of movement at the line of scrimmage. Their left tackle there is an enormous. They got him out of Australia. He's 6'8", 400 or something. The yes. guy's huge. So they, you can see that they run it a lot to the left. And uh, you know, I always watch and when it's you know, big play moment, when it's first, fourth and inches, third and inches, whatever it is, what offensive linemen are they running behind and where are they leaning? And obviously mm-hmm. they have one of the best centers in the league. And uh, you know, why wouldn't they go there?
1: What kind of injury risk is that thing, though?
4: I mean, there's certainly injury risk. Uh, you have to be careful with your neck. Uh, you got to make sure that you got your neck up, your eyes up. If you get your head down, obviously there's problems there that could potentially happen. But I've never seen the the brotherly shove as it's been known as tush push. Yeah, tush push, brotherly shove. As much as we've seen it here over the last little while, mm-hmm. but uh, he's obviously comfortable with it. They obviously know what they're doing. Yeah, you just got to get some movement at the line of scrimmage. I think the Stampeders do a great job with similar plays with Tommy Stevens. Well, yeah, you get a six foot six, two hundred fifty pound quarterback, and you know, good luck hauling him down.
0: They've talked about like like taking getting rid of that play, taking it out of the league and whatnot. Like it's been brought up in owner meetings and whatnot. But is it gonna maybe take somebody like getting seriously hurt on that play for them to yank it out, or is it just like keep going, keep going? It's football.
4: Yeah, football. I mean, the NFL has done a lot of uh, making sure player safety has yeah. increased over the years. I know some of the stuffs that. You know, we used to do in football that we can't do anymore. Oh, yeah. They're cut blocking outside of the line of scrimmage. Uh, there's no crack back blocks mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so, yeah, this is another play I'm sure that will be under a lot of scrutiny. and be under a lot of watch. And if there is a bad injury, I'm sure that there will be lots of people talking about it. And they'll make that decision then. But until then, I think that we'll see a lot of it. Mm-hmm.
3: What's your favorite offensive line to watch in the NFL?
4: That's another great question, Matt. Matt's wow. just hitting the great questions today. Uh, so, you know, I like the Eagles as well. They're a great offensive line. Uh, What they're able to do on offense is is amazing. They're able to do a lot of great things. I think the 49ers have a great offensive line as well. Uh, They're able to move the line of scrimmage and they're able to, uh, you know, get out in space. And, uh, you know, I like the offensive lines that can, uh, you know, so not only run inside zone, but they can run outside zone because we talked before about these teams in the NFL that might have the three four with the giant defensive tackle. Well, that 350-pound nose tackle is great when he's clogging up the line of scrimmage. We always refer to those guys as little tree stumps that move, <laughs> that are in the middle of the formation, and it's hard to get around them. But if you can run uh, east-west on them and get you know, get in front of them, maybe chop them down, it makes it tough for them to run that. So when you see uh, great offensive lines, they can move forward. They can go north-south, and they can go east-west, and they can use all, all aspects of the field. I think that we see that with a lot of teams. Uh,
1: that is former Calgary Peter John Bender joining us here in studio. You want to stay for the lock and safe sure. or lock of the day? Mm. All right, let's do it. Uh, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Hunting season is back, Alberta. Be safe out there. Visit sportsnet.ca slash 960 to enter for your chance to win a bronze 16 rifle gun safe. Maddie, where
3: are you going for locks of the evening tonight? Well, I think you know where I'm going, George. Hockey? The NBA. Yeah, you are. I'm taking Nikola Jokic to hit 30 points. Ooh. Wow. Get that okay. at a tidy little plus number. Lock it in. And uh, I've actually got a minus bet for you, but I like the number. Minus 115. Steph Curry over
0: four and a half threes. Okay. Four and a half? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Patrick,
1: what do you like today?
0: I like, uh, we'll go to the hockey to start. We'll go a uh, little we'll parlay here. Bruins to win. Brad Marchand over two and a half shots and Hampus Lindholm over half of the cysts. So just get an assist. And then uh, we'll go to the NBA. Uh, Denver and the Lakers. I like LeBron and Jamal Murray both over five and a half points in the first quarter. GVP, where are we going?
2: I'm also going to hit that uh, Lakers and Nuggets game. I'm going to take uh, Nikola Jokic to have a triple double plus at
3: plus 140. Ooh, Good number.
2: Uh, and then I'm going to go to the the Leafs game tonight. Uh, Willie Nylander anytime goal.
3: Oh
1: have me a title okay, I there. am
3: uh I'm gonna go
1: uh you know I love me some soccer. Mm. I think there's a ton of value in Napoli today on the road against Union Berlin. Yeah, sure. Who has been struggling mightily in the Bundesliga so far this season. None I'm gonna take Napoli. Real. Uh they're one point nine three on the road. I love them in some champion league action at one PM today. Napoli. Hey, you know I was there, take? dude. I I love Naples. And you know what else I'm gonna take? Yeah. Uh, Michael Backlund over two and a half shots. Oh, he's been goal cooking today. on shots. He's stuff. been cooking on shots on <laughs> yeah, goals. Yeah. I'm gonna take Michael Backlund over two and a half shots tonight against the Rangers.
4: Bender, do you got a lock for us? Uh, I did like that Jokic lock there for the triple double. I think okay. uh, he's a guy that's uh, you know done a lot. And uh, I do like the Warriors winning uh, Oh, three minus three and a half. Oh, there okay. you go. oh. All right. sneaking in Jokic triple double
1: triple double. And um, the Warriors uh, tonight, there's two games in the NBA. Mm -hmm. we got one game, seven in baseball. We got every NHL team in action. Uh, Mr. Bender, always a pleasure. Thanks for this, pal. And again, congratulations for winning the inaugural Sportsnet 960 Big Show CFL Fantasy Football Draft. I don't know if we'll do a second, but congratulations on winning the first.
4: Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay.
1: Um, what do you got coming
0: up in Mucho Big Show, Patrick? Uh, we'll talk with Vince McCur- uh, Mercur- Mercogliano. Oh, my goodness. That's, uh, Who's that? That's, uh, he's a New York Rangers writer for oh, okay. USA Today, Loja.com. Writes for Loha. He is yeah. a
3: beauty. We should have him on the show. S-M-Y-T-V like, you know, analyst. program sometime. He's okay. a young lad. Uh, he's a very Italian New very Yorker Italian. who covers oh, the Rangers. He's okay. He's a, a great get. Very all fun. right. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, where we get your favorite podcast. We'll be all over the game tomorrow. Uh, Rangers and Flames tonight. Don't forget, puck drop at 745. Give yourself lots of time to get there. Get yourself lots of time to get there. Uh, Maybe leave at 2. Take the train. Yeah, the The Flames Flames and Rangers uh, tomorrow. (laughs) Have a terrific... We're going to leave in like 15 minutes. Yeah, Yeah, maybe now. Start, hurry up. Have a terrific snowy Tuesday. That's it for us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.